Tell me a little bit about the one other thing I wanted to make sure I talked about with you is where, so whose job is growth, right? So there's people that I talk to that have kind of a growth team within marketing and maybe have like, you know, combination of engineers, designers, and some other kind of like marketing hackerish types that are on this team that's part of marketing. Other time, other companies, it feels like it's kind of like part of product. Sometimes it's separate from everything. How do you guys set things up there? What's the, what are the good and bad of some of those different setups? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I'll, I'll share kind of what we have and also share how I think about growth, growth overall. So I think growth is everybody's responsibility. We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. You're listening to The Growth Show with Mike Volpe. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Growth Show produced by Dave Gerhardt. I'm Mike Volpe, the CMO of HubSpot, and I'm joined today by Jason Bosanoff, who's the engineering manager for growth at Airbnb. Jason, thanks a ton for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, super happy to have you here. For, for, for the two or three people listening to the show that don't know what Airbnb, Airbnb is, can you give us a little overview? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Airbnb's mission is to help people belong anywhere in the world. And we offer um, people the, the opportunity to stay in other people's homes, uh, either as a, a single room in the home or the entire home. And if you have a home um, and you would like somebody to stay with you, um, that's the other side of the equation. So um, you can have guests come into your house. You can rent out your entire house if, if you're away, um, make extra money, and meet new people. So basically, it's, it's essentially like a marketplace, two-sided marketplace of, for, for real estate, basically, like short-term real estate. Exactly. Yeah, love it. And you guys have had a ton of growth I think, I forget if you're exactly there or not yet, but you certainly valuation-wise are valued more than I think most or many hotel chains um, you have in terms of, I think you're getting close to even booking more guests than like hotels are booking. So it's just, you've really kind of transformed that, you know, short-term kind of place to stay market. Tell us a little bit more about sort of the, what do you feel like has been sort of like one, one or a couple of the key catalysts for that kind of growth? Sure. Um... So maybe I can share a little bit about, um, I kind of want to rewind to the start, like when, when Airbnb first, first got started, and a lot of those same um, principles and kind of catalysts still uh, exist today, and it's what drives the, the company forward. So the biggest thing is our community. Like the product, the Airbnb product is the community. It's our guests and our, and our hosts. And it's been really, really important to partner with that community and um, invest that, in that community. So for example... Um, whenever he was just getting started, we had loads and loads of meetups with our with our user base, um, and that was, you know, initially that like didn't scale, but it was really really important to to do that. That's what uh, draws people to the product, um, and we continue to do that to this day. It's partnering with the community. So basically, essentially, make sure you're making the community super happy. I, so uh, there's a few things uh, on that, that I kind of want to dive into. You have sort sure. of this philosophy of growth, yeah. um, you know, that I, I think you talk about sometimes. And maybe one of those sort of phrases that I want to dive into that's based off of what you just said is, it's better to have 100 people that love you than 1,000 people that like you. Tell us more about that. 
Yeah, totally. So if you if you like a product, I mean that's good. Um, you know, it's it's good uh, to to like that product. But it's only when you really love it do you start organically sharing with other people. So what's really important to our growth is really making sure that we deliver on this awesome, authentic experience, so that people love that experience um, and then and then share it with their friends. If you're so, what's your advice for let's say a CEO of a company and says, okay, I buy what you're saying. How do I know if people like my product or love my product? What's it, how do I figure that out? You, you have to engage with your users. That is the number one thing. Um, so for us, we're uh, constantly engaging with our, with our host community, with our guest community. It's very, very important to, to do. You must always have that connection. Otherwise, you could lose touch and you won't be sure how people are really responding to your product. And is there some sort of a metric you can you can look at? Like, do you guys use NPS or other customer satisfaction metrics or other things to get a sense of what percentage of your users really love you or something like that? Yep, yeah, uh, NPS is a is a big one. Um, NPS also uh, we have some metrics around organic word of mouth growth um, that we use to to see hey are are people telling other people about our service? Meaning that like when new people sign up, you ask them how they heard about you and if it's from a friend, like you track what that percentage is or are there other things there? Yeah, it was funny. For a long time, we, we were against doing that. We're like, oh, let's try to find out through this really complicated you know, data means. And, and you know, we, we do that and we, we do that still. Um, but we actually just started using a survey. Like why not just ask people uh, about it? And we got some good data that way. It sounds simple, but it, it's actually, it, it works and it's helpful. It's really funny. I, you know, there's a lot of people I've talked to about this over the years and you know, there's a lot of, you know, complicated ways you dive into different types of analytics to try to, like you said, figure all that out. And, and a lot of it really comes down to just the, how'd you hear about us? Like that, that <laughs> question that you write that you, you feel like the old school business asks on a postcard or something, right? When you're signing up for something, but you're like, well, it's, you know what, that's actually a decent way to measure it. Uh, right, even, yeah. even for the most, you know, analytically, uh, competent businesses. Yeah. That's interesting. So, okay. So there's some good ways to think about measuring that. Um, and like you were saying, it's about engaging with the user. So you're making sure you're doing the right thing. So you continue to build that love. Mm -hmm. Now, something else you say is that our users tell the story better than we do. How is that at all possible? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, I, like, you know, it's like you clearly can boil down the story better because you're doing it all day long versus one of the users. Like, tell, what does that really mean? Like, tell us what, what are we supposed to take away from that? So it's interesting. So I would, I would challenge that, that we can boil down the story better, better than our users. I, I think the reverse is true. So what I mean by our users tell the story better than we do, we could, for example, just plaster the world with like ads and billboards saying like, hey, Airbnb is great and you know, here's, this, here's the story of why you should use Airbnb. And that, that's okay. I mean, that, you know, that, that could work. Um, that's, that's okay. But when you have a user who, let's say, went on a, a super incredible trip Let's say they went to you know Italy for a couple of weeks, um, got immersed in a in a new culture, and like um, maybe stayed with a host and had a, a great connection with with that host. Um, that's a really awesome, authentic experience. And you know if, if they people will come back with that experience and share that organically with their friends, that's a better story than we could ever tell. Right. So basically that it's, that seems a lot of it is really about authenticity and sort of exactly. things like that. So we, this next quote is like, you have this authenticity, always no tricks. Is that, yeah. is that kind of where that comes from? Tell us more about that. Um, so that one is actually a bit in reference to user experience and expectations. So I think, um, growth, growth hacking quote unquote is like kind of 
has had a bad uh, bad connotation associated with it. And I think like you know sometimes people think about like tricking users into accidentally inviting their entire address book or something like that, um, and that's bad. And so part of our you know our approach to to growth is is always make sure that what happens is in line with all of our users' expectations. Um, you know, people will invite the people they want to invite, and that's it. So there's no surprises in our, in our user experience. Okay, so you brought up an interesting thing there around sort of the, the it's bad to trick users and that growth hacking kind of has this bad reputation. But let me just, without talking about any specific examples or specific companies, isn't, kind of the, isn't there some truth, though, that the typical growth hacking playbook involves basically doing some black hat, some nefarious things until you get called out on it and then kind of apologizing, but you've already captured in the growth, so you don't need to do those techniques anymore? Isn't, isn't that part of the stereotypical playbook, at least? And aren't there some examples that sort of like kind of prove that out? So I, I disagree with that. I think that's, that's, not, that's not the way to go. Um, the way that we think about growth, so maybe I'll use an example. I'll talk about our referrals program. And this is where you can invite a friend to try out Airbnb. Um, they book for the first time. You each get a $25 travel credit. And, um, you know, it's, it's compelling. A lot of people do share Airbnb organically with their friends to begin with. But through this program, we kind of want to take this natural phenomenon that's happening and kind of, kind of amplify it. So um, what we do is, okay, when do we prompt users to refer other people uh, or to, to refer their friends? Um, you know, we could just blast it all over the site. Um, and we tried that. And that actually, like, wasn't wasn't very helpful. What's actually better is to kind of put it at key moments. Like when, let's say when somebody has just written a five-star review. Well, that means they're happy. They're happy with the service that, that or the experience that they just had at, at Airbnb. Maybe that's a good time to prompt them to share with their friends because they actually want to. They're, they're really pleased with the service. And so that's like an example where, hey, it's actually just kind of helping people, giving them an option at, at good moments. Um, but there's no, there's no tricks in that. That's authentic. They just said that they had a great experience, so why not, why not give them that option to share it with friends? Got it. Okay, so you're, okay, so you're a big on the like, ethical growth, growth hacking, kind of white hack growth, growth hacking uh, sort of side of things. Totally get that. Tell us more about a, that example of the referral program because I think that there was a recent article about how you were able to increase, you know, 300% increase in bookings per day making a bunch of tweaks to that referral program? Is that the things you're talking about in terms of making sure that you're exposing that opportunity to refer somebody at exactly the right times? Was there more to it than that? Yeah, so we actually, so we had this old kind of like nasty uh, referral system in place, kind of forgotten, and wasn't performing very well. And, you know, we, we thought about it and we're like, you know, Airbnb is so word of mouthy. Um, we believe, and we also interviewed like a, a few other companies just to learn about the referral programs and, and how it's performing. And we believe that, hey, if we invest in this, this can be something really good. Um, and it was a lot, we totally refreshed it. We made it available. It was actually really hard to find before. So now it's you know, on the uh, mobile apps and on, on the website and, and some, you know, some good places. Um, and uh, yeah, it really boosted it up. It, so compared to the old referrals program, it increased our, the, the bookings coming through the program by three X is very good. Wow, that's incredible, especially for and you, and you have to sort of guess that there's a lot more referral activity than what actually gets tracked through something like that. How do you how do, how do you think about the word of mouth referrals that you're not really tracking and 
and things like that. Like, do you try to stimulate those as well? Like, are there people that you feel like just won't go through the effort of using the code or, you know, talk to me more about that. Cause I think the referral thing is such a huge part of your business. Yeah. And, and that, and that definitely happens. Um, people do, uh, you know, share it with their friends outside, outside of the referral system. Um, but really what we're, <clears throat> what we're trying to do is capture incrementally. We're trying to amplify that. So how do you tell the difference? Right? So one argument might be, Hey, you know, Person A was going to refer Person B anyway. So why why do we have this you know referral program? And so we've actually um, tested that out. It's like cannibalization. Like would this referral have happened already? And so we've tested that out um, through a couple of different holdout holdout situations. And you know there is there is a little bit of overlap in cannibalization. There's also a lot of non cannibalization, and it really is helping to drive um, incremental growth. Cool, exciting. So. Okay, now there's uh, so there's one example of something you got you've done, which is phenomenal and helped the company grow. You're also responsible for a bunch of other things, so SEO, email, social, like lots of things. I, talk to me a little bit about sort of how important it is to do new things. I, I'm thinking specifically about sort of like Andrew Chen wrote this really good article that I think encapsulated what a lot of us kind of growth and marketing kind of folks feel like, which is sort of the what he calls the law of shitty click-throughs, which is like. Every technique you try over time, the click-through rate or the engagement rate kind of goes down, right? Uh, and so, and so like you constantly need to be like adding new things into the mix and sort of inventing new ways to do things because that's where you get the really big engagement, the really big, you know, stereotypically the really big click-through rates. Do, do you agree with that? Disagree with that? And like, which, what does that mean for the approach of somebody who's looking to grow a business? Yeah, so I, I don't agree with that. Um, you know, I think that okay. So here's here's my recommendation. So generally, when you look at companies, there, there tend to be a few major growth channels that are just really big hits, hits for them. And you might not know exactly what those channels are at first. Um, you know, what can be really helpful, and this is the way that we've approached these other growth channels, um, is we'll test it out. We'll just, the, the way I think about um, a growth channel, so by growth channel I mean like a referrals program or search engine optimization or search engine marketing or email, just some way that people are discovering your, your product or service for the first time. I think that just like there's a product market fit for, um, for your product, there's, there's also kind of a, a channel market fit that you need to find out. You need to explore a channel um, and you know, potentially in a, in a small sort of non-scalable way to even just kind of test the waters and see, and see if it is getting traction um, and, then, and then place your bets once, once you've done that. Start small, try it out, then scale out if it makes sense. And then over time, you can probably expect sort of per this, you know, law of shitty click-throughs, right, that the performance may decrease over time, and then you need to continuously be experimenting and trying new things and figuring out what new channels are. Is that the way to think about it? Um, yeah, I mean, so I would not uh, – I think something's wrong if you're starting to get low low engagement um, and, low, and low returns. I think always – Keep looking for um, for high relevant uh, communication with your users. So, so let me give let me give an example. I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about our emailing of our users. Um, we have a really high open rating and click through rates. And the reason why is we've decided you know when we contact our users, it's it's based off we want to make it as relevant as possible. It's based off of some action they took on the site. So let's say if somebody did a search for uh, listings in Morocco. And they ended, up, they ended up not booking. And then you know, a week or two later, we'll email them and say, like, hey, you know, check out these, these great listings in, in Morocco. 
And click-through rate is really high um, because it's just it's it's really relevant to them. It's like oh, like people are actually happy uh, and interested to get this email because it's actually highlighting something they're they're very interested in. So I think it's really good to keep any kind of like outbound uh, marketing focused on that. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think I, I think I agree with you, and I think that uh, I don't know if we're sort of disagreeing with Andrew Chen, but we might we might be. I, I think if you take his argument that sort of the law of shitty click-throughs and apply it specifically to display or things like display advertising, I think it's very much true. So sort of this new network opens up and there's you know uh, a huge amount of inventory and a small amount of advertising and people see these ads are like, wow, and they really engage with them. But then that kind of like, that engagement rate kind of plummets over time and mm-hmm. you know the cost skyrockets and blah, blah, blah. But I agree with you. I think there's a lot of things that sort of the more in other engagement channels, let's call it that, as opposed to like advertising, whether it's, you know, you were just talking about email and being able to actually keep that, you know, open rate and click-through rate high over time. You know, what we've seen, you know, for us, you know, content and inbound is a huge channel for us. You know, we have a, our blog gets about 2 million unique visitors a month. B2B business is pretty good. And we haven't seen the engagement rate of like the people that are coming to that blog and clicking on calls to action to go, you know, engage with us and engage in our sales process. Like we haven't seen those rates really decline over time. Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways, like I agree with you, like it, it depends on what the medium is. Like there might be times where it is sort of trending to zero and you constantly need to find new ways and refresh things. But in some other ways, if you're kind of respectful and have this great experience, you're providing value to the users. Like it may, it may actually, you may actually be able to maintain sort of high rates over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. So, um, uh, one thing, this is kind of maybe a good little segue for a second. So you must use Airbnb yourself a fair amount. What's yep. been the most interesting place you've stayed? Oh, uh, great, great question. Um, so I, uh, I had a great time. Um, I went to Korea last year. Um, it was, it was awesome. What made it really awesome was the, the host that I stayed with. Um, Really cool guy. Uh, had soju together. It was just it was just a really really fun experience. It was my first time in Korea, and um, the the host really helped me. Um, kinda, he kind of told me like what to explore and what to check out, and it was a way for me to learn about it in a way that I otherwise, I would otherwise could not have uh, without without a host and without that local guidance. Tell us more about that because you didn't bring up the host when you talked about what Airbnb was, which you know sure. why why would you? But I actually feel like for a lot of people that. The host is a key part of the overall experience. Like they're not, yeah. you know, they're someone that that's this part of this connection between the, you know, the people renting the places that you're bringing in and the people posting, you know, their their their, you know, apartments, couches, you know, whatever it is, right? And and that host, I think, can be a key part of the experience. You know, like, do you feel like that's true? And like, like, what do you do to try to ensure that that's because that's something you don't necessarily control as much, right? When you talk mm-hmm. about you know building these experiences that users love, what are the things you guys do to try to make the host, you know? build an experience that the users will love? Great, uh, great question. So again, this kind of goes back to um, our, our hosts are our partners. Our hosts are, are the, the Airbnb product. Um, and it's, it's really, really, really important to partner with them well and help them have the tools to succeed. So a lot of times, hosts, it may be a first-time thing, thing for them. Like, they, this is the first time, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're entrepreneurs. Um, and this is the first time that uh, they're hosting people in their home. They want to do a good job. And what we can do, what Airbnb can do, is help provide um, the tools and, like, best practices. Like, oh, hey, like, you, should, you know, you should have these towels and you should have these soaps and you, you should do these things um, in order to, to help, them, help them succeed. So um, a lot of what we, what we do with our hosts is 
kind of host education. And again, everybody wants to do a really good job, and it's just helping make it easy for everybody to be a great host. Cool, love it. It's definitely an important part of the experience. It's funny. There's a couple, uh, couple HubSpotters who actually have like maybe have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend in a different city, and they frequently out of town for weekends. A lot of times, they'll put their apartment here in Boston up on Airbnb. So we have like, a lot of activity there, and sometimes people use it for business travel as well. So um, mm -hmm. definitely a lot of activity there, and it's really interesting that that, that host component I think is really important. Uh, to folks. So that's that's really cool to hear more about it and then and some ideas about how you guys sort of make that part of the overall experience. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about, the one other thing I wanted to make sure I talked about with you is, where, so whose job is growth, right? So there's people that I talk to that have kind of a growth team within marketing and maybe have like, you know, combination of engineers, designers, and some other kind of like marketing hackerish types that are on this team that's part of marketing. Other, time, other companies, it feels like it's kind of like part of product. Sometimes it's separate from everything. How do you guys set things up there? What's the, what are the good and bad of some of those different setups? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I'll, I'll share kind of what we have and also share how I think about growth, growth overall. So I think growth is everybody's responsibility. Um, that said, you know, it's good to have a core team that's really thinking about growth and it's their, their number one priority. So that's our growth team here. Uh, our growth team sits in product but it, it touches many other aspects. It, um, you know, for example, we partner closely with, um, with our marketing team here and, and other product teams as well. So what we'll kind of do is, yeah, even though that we drive growth and we drive a lot of the, the product changes to, to help drive growth, we also kind of like growthify other um, uh, outbound communications with marketing, for example, or other parts of the product will kind of help um, uh, share some principles that we've had to make sure that the product is um, in such a way that, like for example, makes it you know easily shareable or very kind of like growth growth friendly. Um, and for that, we'll partner we'll partner closely with these other product teams. Okay, so tell me more about that because I think the way that that actually goes into practice <laughs> is quite interesting, right? Because I've talked to other companies and the way that they do it is kind of it's very nuanced. It's it's sort of different from company to company. So, will you guys actually like? you know, A-B test a specific part of the product with like code that you've written and then turn over the results of that test to the product team? Or are you just sort of going in and talking about a part of the product with them and kind of giving them advice based on your best practices and sort of your experiences? Like who's, or is like, are, are you writing code and then do they replace your code or does your code mm -hmm. end up being part of the product that they have to support? Like there's that sort of ownership of the code, I feel like is kind of a big, big topic and sometimes where it gets difficult for companies to figure out how to manage it. Yeah, it's uh, a good question. And we do, we do both. Sometimes we're just sort of on a console, uh, consultative basis with the other teams. Um, but also frequently we'll run a lot of tests ourselves. We partner with the team, so it's like not a surprise that that something's happening. Um, but you know, we we will do that um, when we see you know opportunity in the funnel. We'll try stuff out. Also, experimentation is at the core of, of growth. Like I, I think for a, a growth team to succeed, you have to you have to be constantly experimenting. You need to have really fast iteration to actually understand how how users are really engaging with with what you're offering them. Now tell me about the partnership with marketing because you mentioned that as well. We talked a little bit just now about product, but sure. how's the partnership with marketing work? Like how like you know, it's in some ways, you know, there's things that you're doing, you know, SEO and social that are also, you know, are, are definitely going to have some overlap with the things the marketing team is trying to do. So like how do you how do you work that and how do you not step on each other's toes? Yeah, um, it's a good question and I think the, the key is is 
to make a, is to have it a partnership. Like it shouldn't it shouldn't be one way or the other. It shouldn't be like marketing saying, okay, here's here's the agenda, here's our strategy, and it, and it shouldn't be just product either. I think the two really have to work um, work closely together. And so um, you know what we'll do is let's say we're thinking about I don't know a, a new campaign um, that's that's coming out. Okay, well we want to make sure that it's it's uh, authentic. Um, is it shareable? Does it involve um, the community, which all of them, you know, should, because again, the community is, is our product. Uh, it's, it's working together to really, to really find that, uh, as, as a partner. Makes sense to me. Awesome. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. This has been Jason Bosanoff from Airbnb. Uh, you can find all the previous episodes of the growth show on iTunes. Just search for the growth show. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to get a really positive, big thumbs up, five-star review from you. Uh, if not, please let us know what we can do better if you have suggestions for other guests. Uh, and also, we want to learn a little bit more about you guys. We've done about uh, 10 or so episodes, and we want to learn more from you about what you're looking for. Uh, and we have a quick survey if you could fill it out. So it's bit.ly slash growth show survey. That's bit.ly slash growth show survey. Uh, you can fill it out on your mobile phone, no problem, really fast and easy. We'd love to know a little bit more about what you think about the show so we can improve and make it even better for you guys. Jason Bozanoff. Bozanoff? Pretty easy. I should be able to get this one. Bozanoff. Bozanoff? I get into my own head. See, sure, they, you can easily get in your own head in these things. Bozanoff? Bozanoff? Bozanoff?